Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. All right. Hey, everyone. Today we are here with Father Harry Hardigan, who um, runs a church on wheels called St. Teresa's Parish, or otherwise known as Not Your Grandma's Church. And so, uh, Pastor Harry, why don't you, or Father Harry, why don't you tell us a little bit about your um, your church? Great, Kaylee. Um, so, St. Teresa's is a member of the Catholic Apostolic Church in North America, and that's a mouthful. Um, and they use... Uh, Casina as um, the easy way to get get that in, uh, but it doesn't say anything. And St. Teresa's was founded by a priest who used to come to Pride and do services, Father Michael Dakota. Um, and so he was the founder of the parish, and then he left to go to Tennessee and deserted us. And so I became the pastor when he um, moved on. And so I've been the pastor of St. Teresa's now for six or seven years. Um, and I was ordained a full priest in 2018 um, at the age of 70. Wow. So. Very cool. So when you say deserted, I mean, he, he didn't just like leave you high and dry, right? Or Yeah, he moved on. <laughs> <laughs> you still remember, still bitter. Yeah, still bitter. <laughs> Uh, so, Harry, um, I wonder if you can talk about your involvement with Pride Institute and the services sure. that you've done for us. I know in the past you've um, come and done, like, led a Christmas Mass, mm -hmm. Thanksgiving Masses. Um, what's your history with Pride Institute? So, we started coming out to Pride on a Christmas Eve uh, to do a, an ecumenical service for the people that were here on Christmas Eve. Um, this We did, uh, two years ago, we started doing that. Um, and we actually came out, we didn't, we've been here two Decembers now for um, a Christmas Eve service. Um, and the services are designed around recovery mm -hmm. um, and meant to help anyone who is struggling with their spirituality. Um, we also come out every Saturday um, and visit with folks who want to visit. Um, and we were prohibited from that during COVID, of course, but we're back now. Um, and it's one of the best gifts we have as a church um, is to come out and meet with folks here. Um, and there's no pressure on anybody. Um, so we come out every Saturday. Um, we also have done a Thanksgiving service here. Um, and I did an Easter recovery service um, this past April. So, which is phenomenal. It was my first service in 15 months. Wow. So, and I did it at Pride. Awesome. And the nice thing about Pride, coming here to Pride, is the people. I agree. Um, we have incredible people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And this, um, this, to me, is a gift to me. Um, and hopefully we help them. But they give us so much more. Um, I have met so many incredible people here. So, And so we jokingly said not your grandmother's Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if you can expand on that. So obviously 
your church is very inclusive to the LGBTQ community and other minority groups. Can you expand on that a little sure. bit? Sure. We are open to everybody. And um, we, when I took over the parish, I did the first gay wedding up at a place called Minnesota Sex Offenders Program in Moose Lake, which is about 120 miles north of the cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, two men wanted to get married, and they couldn't find anybody to do it. Uh, so your grandma's Catholic church went there. Um, and I'm the rebel priest. Mm-hmm. I don't always do everything that everybody thinks I should or how I should, but I am the rebel rebel priest. I will go where people need us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a wedding at Stillwater. Um, I have done two weddings at MSOP. Um, so, and I don't, um, for many years, we went to MSOP every other Sunday and did a mass for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the people who was considered a client there um, said, well, this isn't my grandma's Catholic church. <laughs> and I said, can we use that? And we've been using it ever since. So mm-hmm. they gave us that monkey or, um, and it stuck. Uh, and it makes sense. We are not your grandma's Catholic church. We don't expect you. We go to you really, um, which is kind of nice. Um, I went to the recovery church over in St. Paul one Sunday, and I met the pastor, and she said, well, I have all your people. I'm like, I'm sure you do. (laughs) And um, so there's a lot of things. We don't look at um, people as whole people. Um, We look at them, right, as struggling with drugs or alcohol or sexual addiction or whatever it is. We forget to look at the whole person. What's that person's history? Um, You know, a person to me is made up of body, mind, spirit, um, and, of course, their sexuality. And those are all hugely important Um, when you're dealing with people. We can't be judging Um, uh, I struggled with that when I first went to Moose Lake, right? I'm thinking sex offenders. Oh, my God, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's not the case. These are people that have made mistakes um, who, for whatever reason, are caught up in a system that's very punishing. But just like someone who gets involved in the drug culture, the, you know, alcoholism and those kinds of things— they're human beings that have had challenges that none of us could possibly understand unless we've walked in their shoes. And so sometimes they just need somebody to listen, mm-hmm. somebody to say, you're enough, you're okay. So That is so right, because even just working here or prior to working here, I just remember thinking of addicts as people who just didn't know when to say when. And once you listen to people's stories and hear just the, like, things that they've had to go through, it really does become simple math of like, oh, trauma plus substance use equals this. And it just then makes sense, but you can only get there once you listen. And like you said, it's just really hard. And I think society makes it really hard for us to empathize with people who are struggling. And and when you're dealing with your issues, whether you're gay, lesbian, Mm -hmm. bisexual, transgender, however you define yourself, um, you feel alone. I mean, any of us who, and I'm a gay man, right? I didn't come out till I was 37. I have three children, six grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren, and they all know. Um, but that journey, right, you feel alone until somebody says, 
you're okay, right? Um, there was a person here who's transgender, and I remember them walking by the room, and they kept walking by and kept walking by, and I, I usually bring a treat of some kind. And I said, come on in and have a donut or whatever it was. And they came in and sat down and talked, and they were struggling with their transgender issues. And I was able to connect them with one of the people who help here at Pride is Ellie Krug, um, who's phenomenal as a transgender person. And she's educated me um, in the transgender world and being more accepting, right? Um, we don't know. Uh, we can judge everybody. It's real easy to judge. That's piece of cake, right? I have to argue that a lot. Um, my deacon who will be ordained in the 24th of um, July, tends to have a lot of judgment. I said, you got to park that judgment. You can't judge people. You can't assume you know, right? You need to get out of the way. Let God, and, and I use God, higher, higher power, whatever, however you see that which is greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so people need to get out of the way. And if you get out of the way, you usually find the answer. That's amazing. I'm wondering how what you do is different than the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, you're a Catholic priest. Um, how How is what you do um, different from, from that kind of set of things? Well, we're not under the Roman Church. Okay. We don't have all the restrictions that the Roman Church puts on their parishes and their priests. Um, we have women priests. Um, we are about to ordain, I think it's, it'll be our second woman bishop in September, um, August or September. And um, so we are open to everybody. We don't close the door. We have um, couples, gay couples that are married. One of our bishops is a gay man and married to one of the priests, right? They've been together many years. Um, our services are very much like the Catholic service. I'm trying to work on inclusive language. The church has never used inclusive language. Um, my deacon and I argue, argue about this all the time, right? I've, um, instead of in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's in the name of the Creator, the Savior, and the Spirit Guide. Um, so you can, you can use a lot of different words for the same thing. Um, how we talk about things um, is very different. You will hear me, you will see me out on the street um, with Black Lives Matter. Um, you will see me if there's an injustice, fighting the injustice. Um, we support a group called Families Supporting Families Against Police Violence. Um, I help them wherever I can help them. We help fund them. Um, but we're a small, we're a small group. We're tiny, right? Um, and we're older. Uh, so it makes it challenging, right? Um, I, like to, I like to bring the service for the people. So when I come to Pride, right, my thought is who is here? Who's at Pride? What is it they need? Easter Sunday was hugely powerful. Hugely powerful. Um, I, we probably had 20 people in the fireside room, hugely powerful. Um, and I don't expect everybody, right, to jump up and down and yell, hey, that's exactly what I need, mm -hmm. right? But 
it's for them. And everything I do, I cater towards them. Our Christmas Eve service was about a rose. And the vision of a rose, uh, if you look at a rose when it's closed and how it opens up and how perfect it is as it matures, and that's what we are. We're all roses. Um, and we're different variety of roses. So it's pretty amazing. We even brought three dozen ro red roses out here on Christmas Eve. Our right? clients all love having you here. And I remember, I'll never forget the first day that, and you had been here prior to when, you know, we met and I gave you the tour, but that first day of touring, uh, bringing you around and all the like looks I got because you were dressed in, in <laughs> clerical. Yeah. And everyone's like, what on earth is this priest doing mm -hmm. in a gay treatment center? And mm -hmm. what, are they crazy? But <laughs> right. But to that point, I think it brings up the really important topic of, I think, some of the um, repercussions that people in this community have had as a result of the church. And so, like, I wonder, and especially in the past year, you know, the Pope, everybody was like praising him because. He had said basically that the Catholic Church needs to apologize to this community, but then a year later, which would have been like this last winter, spring, basically said that he won't, he doesn't support same-sex marriage. Right. They won't bless. Right. And I, you know, one of my challenges, right, I walked away from the Roman Catholic Church because of their stance on um, LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. We're human beings. If you don't welcome all God's children, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, I remember at, I think it was my youngest daughter's confirmation, and Harry Flynn was giving the homily. I wanted to rip him out of the pulpit. <laughs> I had everything I could do to sit there and be quiet. Um, because the sermon he gave was damning. Um, and damning to me as a um, gay man. So you can... You can it's, it's all about those judgments and how we, you know, it, it's about power. Um, we're little, right? Nobody, nobody bothers St. Teresa's for the most part because we're little. We were banned from uh, MSOP because we were too supportive of the clients. Mm -hmm. um, and What is MSOP? The Minnesota Sex Offenders Program. Um, and they have two campuses or two prisons, one in St. Peter and one in Moose Lake, but we were banished uh, from those facilities because we were too supportive of the clients, mm. which, right, hug, hugs were not okay. They had to be a certain way, right? And any, any variance from what they perceived to be okay, just unbelievable. And they're dealing with men um, the statistics that I just got from someone at Moose Lake, about 50% of the population there are either gay men, bisexual, or transgender. Out of the whole population, 400 and something people, half of them are in the uh, LGBT community. Wow. Shocking. I think you offer a really interesting perspective because you are a gay man. You are in the LGBTQ community as well as a pastor. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that intersection, finding your sexuality as well as the church. I think that's something that we, you know, haven't covered yet here. Well, one of the one of the amazing things, right? I do prison work, right? And how I first came to Pride was somebody I met at Hennepin County um, was here and at the Hennepin County Adult Corrections had come here afterwards and asked me to come out here. 
and so I did. Um, and I think when you look at um, how a church operates, I always tell my bishop, you never talked to me about prison work. You never said anything when you ordained me, right? I expected to have this very neat package of a church, a community that built and that we supported one another, the old fashioned idea of having a church building and a community that came together. Well, it's much broader than that. Um, and today, because we have so many issues facing us, um, we as clergy need to figure out where we belong and how it is we help the people. So stepping out um, into those venues, right? When I'm walking into a prison with sally ports and those kinds of things, I'm never afraid. Right? When I was at Moose Lake or St. Peter, I was never afraid um, because I was going for the people. The trappings I could have cared less about. But everybody thought I should have been horrified to be there, right? In recovery, right? You're one of the one of the things when we think about recovery is drug addicts and people who are alcoholics and uh, people who don't have value. These people have value. They're incredible people with struggles. And the struggles are put there. Many of the times, the churches have been responsible for those struggles. Mm -hmm. The abuse that happens in a church, um, you know, conversion therapy, those kinds of things. We don't need um, these people to have more trauma. Harry, I want to um, kind of shift the conversation a little bit because I know you're also really passionate about, you know, the gay community as it pertains to ageism. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I know that what I've talked to you previously about. Um, what do you think of that kind of culture? Because I know you've been at Pride here in the uh, Twin Cities Pride Festival for years and have a booth and to make it as inclusive for older people in the community. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, what we see happening is as the community ages, they tend to go silent. They tend to disappear. You don't see the older gay, lesbian, transgender folks out and about. Um, they're not, right? They're, they have different needs and wants um, and health issues. So I've been a member of Prime Timers Minneapolis and St. Paul for 22 years. Um, it's a group of older gay and bisexual men, and it's intergenerational. We went to Pride for many years, but initially they would stick us in the corner here or in the corner there, right? We didn't have a place. And so Dot, who was the executive director, one day I grabbed her and I, we were standing on a hill and I said to her, we need a place for the seniors. And I want that big tent. And I, was talking, <laughs> I was talking about the beer tent, right? I want that big tent. Uh -huh. And we started to build what today is called Boomertown, which will become generations of um, pride. Um, ARP Minnesota is the sponsor. Uh, they've been wonderful partners to us. And what we did is create an area that is welcoming to the older community. 
and people with disabilities. Um, getting around pride, you know, some days you're like, let me just get out of here, right? It's overwhelming. Can you imagine that for someone with a walker, a wheelchair, a cane that has mobility issues? And so we created this area, it's by the college, um, and it's grown dramatically over the years. And um, it was, I guess, my brainstorm that brought it to life. But um, originally it started out with prime timers as the only group on that hill. And then Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly came in and um, I finally got Art Minnesota to come in and some of the other folks. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I've been pushing that and working on trying to get an LGBTQ center here in the metro area for everyone. Mm -hmm. And to bring the generations, to, we don't have a place to meet, right? We go, right? The younger folks may go to the bars or wherever um, is appropriate for them. And, and the older folks stay home because they have no place to go. We have a thing called Let's Do Lunch that we've been running now for probably eight years. Uh, it came out of a, a documentary called Gen Silent. And we were doing it at Little Brothers and we did it virtually um, during COVID, they delivered lunches to the seniors and had a Zoom meeting, <laughs> right? So bringing the technology, some aren't technology, don't have the technological advances that they need to be able to operate, but it brought people together, which was critical. And you bring up the really good point of, uh, we talk about that here at Pride, obviously, dealing with our patient population who are addicts and have substance use disorders. And a lot of times it's really hard for them because as far as social life goes, it's really just bars um, and there isn't really LGBTQ centers. And, you know, I think that there's really wonderful organizations like Stonewall, which has like kickball events and like, um, you know, I play on a gay men's soccer team. And so there's different things I see coming up. But to your point, nothing that I think is inclusive of people across all, all generations right? Yeah. and bringing us together the older generation got us to where we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They did, the, they did the hard work, right? There's still a lot of hard work to be done, but they got us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And we all stuck together during the marriage amendment, right? That was a huge deal. Now, what do we do um, going forward? It seems like everybody went back to their little lives and we can't do that as a community. We need to support each other. And that's part of, I think, part of the problem that's missing, right? And, and your, to your point, Luke, is that um, people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol, if a bar is the only place you have to go, what does that say? There's nothing. <laughs> There are some, you know, church groups that um, are outreaches from the Methodist and um, I don't think Baptist, but Methodist, I know for sure. Um, no, really no Catholic, you know, Roman Catholic groups. Um, they're way underground, if yeah. there are. So there used to be Dignity Twin Cities, but that's pretty underground. 
Harry, I want people to be able to find you and, and find St. Teresa's, so mm -hmm. I'm assuming you will be at this year's Pride Festival, correct? On the we will be 18th. at this year's Pride Festival with um, uh, what used to be ju Just Us Health is now Rainbow Health. Mm -hmm. So we will be up in the Boomertown area in what close to the thing. So. All right, well, you all heard it. Uh, go find Harry, he's wonderful. We love him here at Pride so much. Uh, Harry, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, today. Luke. Thanks, Kaylee. Yeah, thanks, Harry. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.